0: Today, part of our service today, we're going to recognize our graduates, and our graduates are in the gym, and now we're going to ask them to march in. They'll be following our youth student pastor, Justin Senior. Well, sorry about that. All right, because of uh, being in the drive-in service and the heat today, we're going to go ahead and get into our graduate recognition service, and I'm going to, you have the bulletin inside your bulletin, actually, with all their accolades, but I'm just going to say the first and last name, also the parents, and uh, we have a gift for our graduates. We have a Chili's gift card, a blanket with the logo of the school that they graduated from, and we also have a devotion uh, by Paul Tripp, who is a, a very good pastor and a Bible scholar, and so we're very thankful to be able to give this to all our graduates, and we're very thankful for our graduates, and we're going to introduce our high school graduates first, and first we have Allie Cornea, daughter of Nathan and Anka Merrill, in care of Kevin and Lisa Powell.
1: Congratulations.
0: Next, we have Kaylin Dyson, daughter of Danny and Kendra Dyson. Lane Fox, son of Wesley and Bridget Fox. Lance Garland, son of Steve and Marcia Garland. I just want to mention that all our students couldn't be here today, but we're still going to recognize them. Next, we have Adam Huffman, son of Robert and Dana Huffman. Congratulations. Easton Roney, son of Doug and Kelly Roney. Dalton Stockleather, son of Timmy and Angie Stockleather. Next, we'll introduce our college graduates Jamie Adkins, daughter of Daryl and Sharon Adkins. Don't that Carolina Blue look good? Josh Bullock, son of Andy and Casey Bullock. Justin Cook, son of Jimmy and Pam Cook. Sydney Fox, daughter of Wesley and Bridget Fox. Addie Foy, daughter of Mark and Gina Foy. Bailey Goforth, daughter of late David and Tabitha Goforth. Noah Hudler, son of Joel and Lisa Hudler. Lowe daughter or son of David and Lisa Lowe Trent Marshall son of Mark and Lori Marshall Caitlin Mayberry daughter of late Craig and Donna Mayberry And finally, Noah Rogers, son of Chuck and Angie Rogers. If you will, give them a hand clap or beep your horn and thank them, thank you very much. Once again, congratulations to our graduates.
2: done for me.
1: At this time of prayer, we want to remember uh, Darren Ayers, Tommy Ayers, and Catherine's son. He's going to be having surgery Monday morning at at 7.30. Would you please remember him, having a very serious surgery, and pray for him, uh, Darren, and remember him. I want to read to you in the book of Mark, and uh, then we'll have prayer. Jesus and the disciples had just gotten to the boat. They went out into the ocean, the sea, and the wind began to blow, and the boat was filled with water and these are some of the words that were written in verse 39 through 40 and Jesus was asleep they came to him they woke him up and they said Lord do you not care that we're perishing in verse 39 he says and then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm but he said to them talking to his disciples Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You know, when the Lord is in the boat, He'll bring peace. He can rebuke the wind. He can calm the storm in your life. We live in the most uncertain days that we've ever lived in America in the past 75 some years. But you know, when the Lord's with you, we have to have faith. We have to trust Him. No matter what the tempest may be in your life, the Lord is with you. May we have faith and trust Him during this time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we want to thank You. No matter what we face in life, Lord, only You have the power to rebuke the winds. Only You have the power to rebuke the seas. And Lord, only You can bring calm to our soul and our life when we face difficult times. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you're there. Lord, you're not asleep. You know what's going on. And you challenged us in your word this morning to have faith and trust you. And, Father, we do that. We trust you. In Jesus' name, in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
3: All the rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sink.
0: you, Kaylin. What a blessing. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be talking about the Gospel, part 4. We've been looking at the Gospel the last four weeks. And this morning, we're going to talk about justification. I mentioned that last week, about how important it is to be justified. And today, we're going to look at the benefits that come from that justification. Now, I just want to remind you that justification is when God declares us to be righteous in His sight. When God imputes to us the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, He imputes it to our account in heaven, and we're declared not guilty for eternity. The highest court in the universe, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, declares you not guilty for eternity. It is irrevocable and irreversible. It is for all time. A Christian need not fear judgment. That's why John says this, perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear of judgment for the Christian. But along with that comes benefits. Notice verse five, or chapter 5, verse 1. Paul speaking says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into His grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, only faith in Jesus Christ can save and only by being saved can we be justified. Lord, these five things we're going to talk about this morning, Lord, are such a blessing. They've been a blessing to my life. I pray that you had encourage our listeners this morning. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that's never placed their faith in the resurrected Christ, that today would be their day of salvation. And then, Father, for the rest of us, for our graduates, for all of us in attendance, I pray that we would give our lives to the gospel. Men, women, boys and girls need the gospel more than anything. Father, we're not looking for a moral reformation. We're looking for the gospel. Jesus, change lives for your honor and for your glory. You said your word will not return void. And we trust you to do that this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first benefit of being born again, of being justified that Paul talks about is this. Notice what he says in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified, we have peace with God. For the first time in your life, you have peace with God. By trusting in Christ, one scholar put it this way. This is a finished transaction that is irrevocable. It's an irrevocable transaction. Once justified, you're always justified. And with that comes peace with God. Now, there are two types of peace. One of them is subjective. We have the peace of God, which is based on feeling. One scholar put it this way, subjective peace is a feeling. It's the peace of God, not peace with God, but the peace of God. It's the inner calm within the heart and soul, because our faith is in the Lord in the midst of storms, the storms of life and tribulations that we face the difficulties. We still have the peace of God. Jesus talked about that. It's so wonderful to have. Jesus says this in John 14, My peace I give unto you, peace not as the world gives, my peace I give to you. He says that regardless of what goes on in your life, you can have the peace of God in any situation. Paul speaks of this in Philippians. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be made to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But this is not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about something greater, even though that is so important. And aren't you thankful that you can experience the peace of God throughout your life? This is something that is a fact that's not based on feeling peace with God. This is enormous. Before you were born again, you were at war with God, whether you realize it or not. Right after John 3.16, John writes this. He said, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And please note the verb tense. The verb tense abides on him is present tense, which means this. You're either under the wrath of God or you're a born-again believer. And that wrath will stay with you until you face God in judgment. But the moment we believe in Christ, we go from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God, and the war between you and God is over forever. I heard R.C. Sproul share a story one time when he was six years old. He said it was during World War II, and he says he knew his parents were kind of uneasy, but he said, I was six. The war, the war really didn't bother me too much because I didn't know much about it. And he said he and his friends in the, in the neighborhood would go play stickball out in the neighborhood. And he said he remembered he was getting ready to bat. He's six years old, right? And he says doors started opening all over his neighborhood, and adults started running out into the streets. He said even his own mama come running out of her house with her hands in the air, jumping up and down, shouting this, the war... Is over. The war had ended. Friends, the night you were born again or the day you were born again, the war between you and God is over. And for the first time in your life, you can have peace with God. You remember those days when you were lost? And you'd, you'd hear a person preach or somebody share the gospel, and there would be this uneasiness in your life, in your life. There was something wrong between you and the Lord. Couldn't sleep at night. I'm so thankful that that conviction in my life will never be there again because the war between me and God is over forever. So I have, and you have, if you're a Christian, peace with God forever. And this peace with God leads to number two, access with God. Notice what he says in verse two. Through whom also, and the word whom is pointing back to Jesus, we have access by faith into his grace. Now listen to this. What this is saying is that when we're justified by faith, it introduces us into the very real presence of God. We have access into a personal relationship with God. Listen to this. It's more than fire insurance. You're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, so you can have access with the God of the universe anytime you like. Stephen Lawson put it this way. You'll note verse 2 begins, through whom, And the whom refers to Jesus Christ at the end of verse 1. The only way to have access to God is through Jesus Christ. He has the exclusive monopoly on access into a relationship with God the Father. He says through whom, and the next word is important. It says also, which means this is a package deal. This isn't separable. If you have peace with God, you also automatically have access to God. This is very. The order is very important. If we don't have peace with God, you would not want access to God. You'd be trying to get away from God if you did not have peace with God. But because first we have peace with God, now second, what a blessing it is that we can come into His presence and we're received into His presence with confidence. This is a past action with continuing results. This means that we can have peace with the God of the universe. And notice what he says, you can stand in it. The word stand is a very important word. It means to be be made to stand. It means to never be ushered out of God's presence. It it means never to fall away from grace. It means to never fall out of grace. We will forever stand in His grace in His presence. Notice some aspects to this access here. And it's not in your text, but it's so true. This access is restricted. Everyone does not have access to the presence of God. Only believers in Jesus Christ have access. It's permanent. This access is permanent. You can go into God's presence at any time for as long as you want to. You'll never be cast out. It's secured for good days and bad days when we're walking in obedience. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual access. This is within our hearts. We're not talking about getting out of a room and walking into another room to be any closer to God. You can have access with God within your heart no matter where you are, whether you're at church, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you're by yourself, whether you're in the middle of a football stadium with 70,000 people, wherever you are, it's a spiritual access and it's also constant 24-7. It is never closed. This room, this access with God is never quarantined ever. It is always available. So when you're justified, you have peace with God, you have access to God. And then the third thing Paul says, which is so important, is we have hope in God through the good days and the bad days. Notice verse 2. He says, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in it. That word rejoice, some translations say to exult. It means to be overwhelmed with joy. It's amazing that Paul is the is the author of hope. In verse end of verse 2, he starts with hope, or he mentions hope. At the end of verse 5, he says, hope. And then in verse 4, he mentions hope. So everything he's talking about is hope. And Stephen Lawson put the word hope this way. He said, this word hope has been so diluted today in our conversation. When we say hope, we mean oftentimes in America like we hope our football team wins. Or we hope it does not rain. That's not how the Bible uses the word hope. It's not wishful thinking. Hope in the Bible means a confident expectation of what's going to happen in the future. There is no doubt about it. It is Confidence in God. Another word would be assurance, 100% assurance. It's a confident assurance, so you can bank on this. We rejoice in hope, and this hope is the future glory and glory with God. What do we hope in? Notice what he says in verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations. This, tribulations in life. Big, heavy, stressful problems in life. And what Paul is saying here is very important to everyone who is justified is going to be under great pressure in life. This is the anti-prosperity gospel. There are no free passes. Jesus said this, and you can put this on your refrigerator, this verse. In this world, you will have tribulation. Everybody has tribulation. Everybody has hard times. Everybody does. Physical, emotional, relational, professional, whatever it is. It is a normal way of living. If you're a Christian, you will have tribulation. But everyone who is justified has peace with God and hope with God in the middle of their tribulation. You know why? that Paul says, if you have that, look at the word here. He says, knowing, after the comma. He says, we also glory in tribulations, comma, knowing. That word knowing means I have an eternal perspective on my tribulations. I'm a mature Christian if I've been saved. I'm not tossed by every tribulation that comes. The majority of, of people in Alexander County's faith is so shallow... As soon as tribulation comes, they leave church, want to leave their faith in God. Paul says, that's not what a true believer does. He says, you know tribulation is coming. You know, you have an eternal mindset. Therefore, you can glory in whatever tribulations you you face because you're not an immature Christian. Notice what he says, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Look at the word perseverance. Every person here should underline that word. It'll help you in your life because tribulation will come. And what God says is this. If you've been justified by faith, you have peace with God, access to God, and you can hope and have glory in your tribulations. And the word perseverance simply means this. It means to bear under. It means to bear under. It means that we bear trials patiently and do not have an emotional meltdown because we know God is in the midst of it. God is sovereign before it, during it, and after it. So we're going to glory in our tribulations because God is there. And notice what happens. He says this, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character. What does character mean? It just means Christ likeness. The Bible says that it has been predetermined, predestined, that you be conformed into the image of Christ. If you're born again, it's going to happen. God is the best discipler through the Holy Spirit. And you know what? God uses nine times out of ten tribulation to produce in you character some of the most faithful Christians at East Tales of Baptist Church, some of the people I look up to the most. More so than any preacher on TV or any scholar that writes a book are men and women in this church who have faced tribulation and they love Jesus more now than they ever did. It didn't cause them to get out of church for six months. Oh, did it hurt? Yes. Was it hard? Yes. Did they keep their faith and trust in God? Did they persevere? Did it develop stronger Christ-like character? Yes. And to all our graduates, I'd say this. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have great good days, and you're going to have some bad days. If your faith is shallow, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a very hard time making it in this life. And the first thing you'll want to do is leave your faith. But what Paul says is this, if you've been saved, if you've been justified, the tribulations of life, you can rejoice in them. Because you know there's an ending. You know that God is sovereign. And that God is going to develop something in you that the world can't give you. A sermon can't give you this. Only life and the hard times of life can give you this. And then the fourth one he says is this, and the last two we're going to hurry, because it's like 110 degrees out here. Because of your faith in God, Because you've been justified, you can experience something the world can't experience. They can't buy it. Notice what he says in verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in your hearts. Notice that word poured out. That means like Niagara Falls. That means the moment you placed your faith and trust in Christ, you experience a greater love than you ever have in your entire life. It's been poured out. And that word poured out means it's a constant flow. The love of God for you never stops, ever. That's why I don't understand Christians that are grumpy and complain all the time. Sometimes I think this, did you experience what I experienced? Do you know God like I know God? Why are you so bitter and why are you so distraught all the time if the love of God is poured out in your life 24-7, overflowing? The psalmist says this, the Old Testament Jews would say this, They'd say this, But you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And they would say, just give me more of it. Psalm 136 says, Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Paul goes on in Romans to say this about this love. He says, Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now listen, I don't know if anybody on this planet loves you. But I know if you're born again, God loves you. Loves you. Look at the word love. Look at the word love. God has poured that out in your life. You can't buy this. There's no accolades on the planet you can achieve that can reproduce this. It's only accessed by faith in the resurrected Christ. Listen, don't ever say, I don't know if God loves me. If you're His child, His love for you is unlimited unlimited it is uncaused it'll never go away what a benefit it is to be a born again Christian and then the final thing he says is this we have his spirit notice the end of verse 5 he says this love is being poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us Paul goes on to explain this important thing the night you or the, the moment you placed your faith and trust in Christ the God of the universe through the Holy Spirit indwelled your life forever And is never going to leave. Forever. Paul goes on in Romans 8 to say this, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Jesus. Paul says no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Listen, once you place your faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit resides. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus can say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're you're never alone in this life if you have Jesus. Ever. I don't care where you walk on the planet. I've been to other countries and I feel just as much saved there as I do here. Aren't you thankful? You have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Holy Spirit. And one thing I know about the Holy Spirit, not only does He access the love of God in your life, He gives you direction, purpose, peace, calmness. Aren't you thankful? What a benefit it is to have peace with God, access to God, hope in all our trials. Listen, the love of God poured out 24-7. If we don't experience it, it's our own fault. Then you have the Holy Spirit of God that fills your life, that gives you direction, that equips you for, 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 for the life that you're going to face, who is supernaturally gifted you by the Holy Spirit. What a blessing it is. Why would you not place your faith and trust in Christ? Why would you not? And I would tell our graduates this. Why would you not give your life for the gospel? Hey, listen, you can sell insurance and give your life for the Gospel. You can sell cars and give your life for the Gospel. You can be a missionary and give your life for the Gospel. You can be a Sunday school teacher and give your life for the Gospel. You can be a school teacher and give your life for the Gospel. Give your life for the Gospel. The world needs Jesus. The world is so filled with hate. I wonder sometimes when people talk today on television and claim to know Jesus and they're so mad and so hateful. Has the love of God really been poured out in your life? Have you really repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in the resurrected Christ? Has it? You know what John said? If you don't love your brother who you can see, regardless of race, if you don't love your brother who you can see, how can you claim to love God who you don't even see Him? Has the love of God been poured out in your life? Friends, I would encourage you today to give your life To Jesus you have peace with God access to God hope in the trials and storms of life and the love of God poured out all over you by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit Christians you have been blessed I would encourage you Christians today to give your life to give your time to give your talents to give your treasure to the spreading of this gospel the world needs Jesus Alexander County needs Jesus your co-workers need Jesus your family needs Jesus Your friends need Jesus. The only way to be saved is to place your faith and trust in the resurrected Christ. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for salvation. Lord, I want to thank you for these benefits of knowing you. Lord, that the world can't experience. Father, you can't buy it. You can be the richest person on the planet and not experience what I experienced. And I want to thank you, Jesus, for this fact that I have peace with God forever. That, Father, I have access to You 24-7. That, Father, I can hope in whatever trials come my way, I can rejoice in it and glory in it because of You. And that, Father, the love of God, I am never unloved. One of the greatest needs of any person on this planet is to be loved. And, Father, we're loved by You. And then the Holy Spirit, who is here with us 24-7. Father, thank You so much for this. If there's anyone listening, Lord, on our live stream or in the cars, it may even be a graduate. I pray that right now, today would be the day of salvation. We are justified by faith. And when we're justified by faith, we have peace with God and everything else follows. Father, help us to be ministers of your grace and of this wonderful gospel. We have the best news that the world needs to hear. And I pray that we would share it for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, and I hope everyone says with me, Amen. Well, as we close out our service, I'm going to ask Justin to come. He's going to give uh, some information to our graduates, and they're going to meet you over here uh, as you leave, and I know you'll want to say hey to them. Thank you. So, graduates, as you guys leave to go off to college, or um, as you leave college and start families and start working and that kind of thing, just want you to know that East Taylor's was always here for you. If we can ever help serve you guys in any way, whether you're high school or college grads, we hope this is always home for you, and uh, come back anytime. We hope you come back all the time. Uh, so, uh, this, evening, this afternoon as we leave, uh, we're going to play Pomp and Circumstance and let the graduates come down the sidewalk, and they're going to stand in between the buildings, and so as you guys come through, you'll have a chance to wave at them, encourage them a little bit this morning or this afternoon, and so we encourage you, don't, don't roll through with your windows up, wave at them, congratulate them, give them some uh, encouragement, because this is kind of a strange graduation for them, and so uh, encourage them, they need it. All right, so you guys have a great rest of the day, and as the music plays, you guys just walk down the sidewalk and come over here between the buildings.